when people start in business, and particularly us as tradespeople, you get a lot of people around you saying, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you going out on your own? Why don't you stay in a good job? Nine out of 10 businesses fail in their first X amount of years. And all of this yep. negative behavior that pops up, overlay a bit of tall poppy syndrome in there as well. It starts to get very toxic to try and start your own company and actually have a crack and believe in yourself. We, there's always a bit of a stigma in the private sector. They don't quote, they don't go up, they don't call me back, you know, like trades suck generally. Yeah. How can we make that change on a massive scale so that people are looking at going, oh, you know, you're going out and getting a trade. That's a phenomenal decision. We are really changing the way tradespeople are seen. In growing from 16 to over 100 staff, I'm guessing you must be a beast at acquiring customers. We're pretty good. Can you put... <laughs> you must be. <laughs> Here we go. My guest today on the Plumify podcast is Sam Acklin. Sam, well, Sam used to be the CEO of Build Clean, now is currently unemployed. So, <laughs> and I was... did have a better intro, but now, I, you know, things have changed in the last 24 hours. That's so, exactly right. Sam, thanks for joining me, mate. And I don't know if you, you wouldn't know this, but, well, you might know this because I might have told you, but I've been following you for a long time and I've, you know, I've definitely really looked up to you, you know, um, especially seeing as you've been very visible with a lot of the awards and stuff that you've won. So I've always followed your journey and um, I'm really excited for you to be here, mate. And thank you for being a, you know, a bit of a friend now. Appreciate thank you it. very much. It's, uh, it's yeah, really exciting to come on here and particularly after, like you said, the news from uh, yesterday, you know, hanging up the, uh, the mop and bucket, so to speak, as CEO of Build Clean and running in today, you know, almost uh, semi-retired slash unemployed, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should be coming off the back with, um, with something different for, particularly for the listeners today as well. So, yeah. um, should be a bit of fun and we'll unpack that a bit later on. Yeah. So mate, start, do you want to whip it from the start or maybe from that, you know, that crazy, well, the Instagram post about when you were 19 living in Byron Bay out the back of a van, maybe we could start it from that point. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, you know, I suppose as, uh, as every young man does, you've got no idea what you want to do with yourself and you either go to uni, get a trade, or you fuck off overseas. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> couldn't afford to go overseas, but I could afford to buy a van and uh, I like surfing. So I moved up to Byron Bay. Um, after a little bit of time there, bought my own van, started living in it, um, just surfing up and down the coast, probably partaking in too many of the extracurricular <laughs> activities that happen in the in the Byron Bay oh, vicinity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good times. Really, really good times. It was living, living life slow. Yeah. Um, but that only comes, you know, that you can only be sustained by that for so long. So mm -hmm. it also comes with an overarching feeling of you're a piece of shit. So okay. I did that for about nine to 12 months um, and decided I actually had to do something with my life and had to make a future for myself. And at that point as well, I got tattooed on my arm, the pursuit of happiness. I tried to, like a homage to the, to the time where I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just going to be, um, you know, a checkout chick at Woolies or, you know, I wanted to make sure that I'd, was holding myself accountable to actually do something good for the world. So yeah, left Byron Bay, sold the van, moved back to Adelaide, started a business degree. And at that point in time, started working with my family's cleaning company as well. So yep. that's kind of where I'd, le I'd learned my trade. Yeah. And so build, so build clean, talk us through that. So, you know, what, what year did you start build clean? 2017? We started, well, officially build clean in 2018. Okay. Before that, um, sole trading for a couple of years under a company called Ground Control. Mm -hmm. And that was literally, we would just do anything for anybody that would pay us. Okay. Like we would go from cleaning gutters to cleaning windows, to painting, to landscaping, to putting in uh, dodgy retaining walls. We were doing absolutely anything. Yeah. So can you run us through where you're at now? Because it's grown considerably and, you know, with how many staff you've got, you know, the national, I know you've gone national now. Mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty crazy story because along the way you've won quite a few awards. Um, I've got a screenshot in my phone, but you, you, you've won a lot. So, and you've been quite public, you know, out in the public, I suppose, along the way. So can you run us through the build clean journey from when you started to sort of where it is at this point? Absolutely. So when we're in our ground control days as a sole trader, 
um, we were finding that was, well, I was spending the vast majority of my time either quoting jobs. I had no idea what I was actually quoting mm. and then going to Bunnings to get tools for jobs that I didn't know how to do. So it was probably unintentional, but we, I spent a lot of time thinking about what was the easiest thing that we did? What did the guys enjoy the most? Um, and what could we make the most money out of as quick as possible? And that went back to cleaning. You know, that's where my experience was. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, rebranded from ground control into build clean, um, still kept, you know, the five guys that I had with us, a couple of guys were just getting paid cash. And, um, you know, it was a bit of a, it was a, it was the ideal example of what a sole trader is. It was yep. just fast and loose. Yep. So, um, come into 2018, then we rebranded to build clean and we were like, right, this is a line in the sand where we used to do all that shit. And now we're just going to do construction cleaning. We're just going to serve as builders. And we're going to run this as a tight operation. So, yep. um, we started, you know, growing the team from there. I think it, within, within the space of rebranding, it was early February, 2018. By the time we got to March, April, we had won a massive job for Sarah constructions. Mm-hmm. And that was really like a milestone for us to, um, to actually be like, okay, someone's seen what we're trying to do. Someone has, you know, put faith in us. Now we need to deliver on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a great opportunity for us to grow our team from, you know, five up to 16 odd within space of a couple months. So, yeah. Yep. Mm. And now where's it at? You've got, how many staff have you got now, Sam? Just shy of a hundred at the moment across Just the country. hundred across yep. the countries. Wow. And what states are you in? We're in Brisbane and, well, sorry, we're in Queensland and Victoria. Yep. Um, we've got a couple launches lined up for next year as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you, along the way, I'm, I'm interested to know about how the, the, you know, the awards came about and I guess what, did that change anything in your life when you won? Because what are some of these awards that you won, Sam? You won a whole bunch of them, personal accolades, I suppose you'd call yep. them. Uh, around 2020, I got Young Entrepreneur of the Year through Business SA. Mm-hmm. Um, within the same week, I got the Top 40 Under 40 Entrepreneur Award within Daily. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. That was my first taste of like, wow. I like. It was almost like a little credibility stamp, like I, what I'm actually doing is actually having an impact. Mm-hmm. So I guess I got a little bit hooked at that point in time on winning awards and that became my thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I suppose I'm reasonably good at creative writing and copywriting. So that's half of, of winning awards. You've got to do something, but then you've also got to be able to sell yourself on the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that started a, a string of awards from there on um, throughout different small business ventures and um, yeah, small business programs. And did, did the awards change anything, I suppose, in the... Like the, did it change the trajectory of the business or that's one question I had for you because I'm mm. interested to know that. I think they probably made me naively confident mm-hmm. in the fact that going up on stage and receiving a, an award, there, there's two parts to it. If you don't win the award and, and the year prior to um, winning the In Daily um, Entrepreneur Award, I, I went the year prior to that awards, um, wasn't um, involved in it, but I saw what it took to get to actually get onto stage and I thought, yep, I want to do that. However, when you get to the point where you actually do win one of the awards, yeah, it probably, um, you know, sparked my, um, overconfident or, you know, and, and, um, yeah, probably overconfidence in myself mm-hmm. and whether that was, uh, beneficial or not, I suppose it airing on the side of more beneficial. However, I think it's very important to a couple of years later, do a lot of, um, self-development work to kind of detach a little bit of the ego driven, um, metrics that I was hunting down, you know, more money. Yeah. more power, more status were essentially where I was heading. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think the birth of my child was a, a great opportunity to pump the brakes a little bit on that mm. and seek mm. a bit more fulfillment as opposed to just being this power hungry, um, crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> so did the, personally, did the awards make you feel the way you ex- expect, accept, like thought they'd make you feel like, or was it like when you buy a shiny new car and then the next week you're just like, whatever. It's exactly the same as that. Yeah. Yeah. They they can be very empty. Um, and I suppose what they do exactly like the, the sports car framework is you get it. It feels cool for a week and then you need something bigger, faster and stronger to, mm. um, sustain that need. So, so it's like a slippery slope. Which it's is. a very slippery slope. Yeah. Okay. And the birth of your, your son, do you reckon just change the trajectory a little bit or change your thinking? Yeah. And yeah. I think, um, for those of you who don't have kids and, and for those of you that do, um, when you're, when you find out that you're having a child and you probably went through the same thing as well, you start to analyze, um, how your parents parent 
mm-hmm. and the relationships that you see and how you see other parents parenting as well. Yep. Um, and it's a really good opportunity for you to kind of take inventory on, on who you actually are as a man or woman, as a, as a parent, as opposed to, um, everything it took to get you to this point in mm-hmm. your life. So mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, having kids was a great opportunity for me to kind of go, you know, boyhood's behind me trying to be this chauvinistic prick. Yeah. And then from here on, I want to be a good person. I want to have an impact on the world, um, or at least my community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to try and do a bit of good instead of just collecting everything for myself. Well, actually that brings me perfectly onto one of the next questions I had was you've written in your LinkedIn profile that building your company is your life's work. Can you explain what you mean by that? It's almost, uh, I think I need to update my LinkedIn profile <laughs> really to be honest with you. <clears throat> um, cause that's, that was really probably a timestamp of me, maybe a year and a half ago where I was painting this vision for the future. Mm-hmm. I could see where it was going to end up. I understood the end goal. Um, but at that point in time, every single thing that I did, every waking moment, um, even, you know, half sleeping moments was thinking about work. You know, it was, where are we expanding? How are we doing it? Who are the key people? How are we making sure the clients are, you know, looked after and and get equal or better standard here in Adelaide so that, Mm. you know, everything else can grow with it. But yeah, I think I've uh, really given what happened yesterday. Um, there's a great opportunity for me to kind of understand that there is myself and there's also the company and those two, are um, you know, different entities and that's starting to become more prevalent now, you know, as you're doing all the quoting, as you're running the company, overseeing all the books, you know, almost doing everything, wearing all the hats, it's very easy to feel like you and the company are the one entity. And then as you start to grow and you have more delegation and more people working for you, um, and more people helping and actually being accountable for those functions, Mm -hmm. then you start to, you know, delineate that. Yeah. That is a big thing, isn't it? That's why I struggled with that along for a long time is like you you identify yourself as the business. Exactly. And it's like, until you can detach yourself from that, you, I think you'll just always be stuck or like I'll put it as things, um, happen. Like for instance, something might not go wrong right in the business or someone talks bad about your business and you feel like it's like they're personally Mm -hmm. talking to you, like about you've done a bad job, you know? And like, I felt like until I removed myself and detached myself from the business, like even just the way I reacted sometimes was not where it needed to be because I was taking everything like personally thinking that I was still the business. Yep. And it's like, that is a big thing I reckon. Eh? Like, and it takes time and, you know, people to mentor you around it. I think it's like learning to be like Sam Acklin isn't build clean. Yeah, exactly. Build clean isn't Sam Acklin. You know what I mean? Yep. It's a really hard journey to go down <clears throat> um, as the leader, but I think it's natural progression as well. Mm. Um, one thing that we, we would try and, establish when, you know, something like that, say, say you get a negative Google review, um, which hurts everybody. It always does. Yeah. But trying to understand whether it was a, was the issue, a issue about who the person was, whether that person was having a bad day or underskilled, underprepared, um, or was it an issue with the systems and processes that we built? So was it a person issue or was it a systems issue? Mm-hmm. Cause that would then take myself out of it and go, this is not my fault. I'm, well, this as the leader, everything ends up being your fault, but this is not a personal attack on me. This is, mm-hmm. was there something going on with those particular people or was, is there a problem with the, um, with the, the model that I'm building or the systems that I'm creating? Yeah. And then, yep. you know, if it is a system problem, then you go back and, and reboot the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's a person problem, then take it up with HR. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, at the end of the day, usually is yourself anyway. So yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. You've gone from zero to a, over a hundred staff, you know, so in, in build clean and we'll get to the, um, the, the big announcement yesterday shortly, but, um, I've just got a couple more questions around build clean is, do, is it, can you think of anything that fundamentally changed in, from you going in that, that, tra- that massive trajectory is there anything you implemented in the business or even learnings like mindset, maybe one is like detaching yourself from the company, but is there anything you can think of like a top one or two or three things that really like rocketed you to a different dimension mm. in the business? I think as far as being the the leader of the company, in order to prepare yourself for the different stages that you go through, um, I found a lot of it came down to what I would wear because what I would wear would be a reflection of what I'm thinking. So, you know, you start out, you're on the tools, you're in the work vehicle every day. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the point where 
you drive, you know, a nicer Hilux or, you know, a nicer you, and you're not in the work van, you know, that's a little bit of a change mm -hmm. and that is a physical and mental change. And then you get to the point where you're still wearing work pants and you're still wearing work boots, but you're not really getting dirty. You know, you're wearing the same uniform every day, change your shirt and what have you, but yep. you're not really getting dirty anymore. And then you get to the point where you go, I wear, you know, chinos and RMs. Yep. And that's another point where it's like, cool, I'm not dressed to go on site. So now I cannot go on site. And mm -hmm. then you keep your, you always keep your boots and stuff in the back of the car. And mm -hmm. after, you know, six months or so, and they haven't been used, then you take them out and then it becomes, you know, be as you, as you're progressing as the leader of the company, as your role changes, you're dressing for that role as opposed to, um, staying exactly the same as you were when you were acting as a technician. Yeah. That is a good one actually. So I that, think... I guess that's, um, sorry to cut you off there. No. That covers you as the as the leader. And then something that, that maximized or optimized our ability to grow is creating win-wins. So we're all about incentivizing our technician and our management staff. Mm -hmm. We're also, um, as far as the expansion plan goes, we also give, um, an equity stake for the managing directors around the country. Mm -hmm. So it's not just Jack and myself, my business partner, Jack, it's not just us, you know, expanding and conquering and everything. It's bringing people in that we trust and we want to assist in their growth as well. And then, you know, providing them an equity stake within the company. Okay. Yeah. That's so cool. In growing from 16 to a hundred to, you know, over a hundred staff, I'm guessing you must be a beast at acquiring customers. We're pretty good. Can you, can you put, you must be, can you, I'm, I'm interested, to, I don't expect you to give away all your secrets, but mm -hmm. I think, do you, what, what would you say separates you in regard, you know, in that sort of um, realm, because to do you know, from 2018 to now go from zero to a hundred, over a hundred, you must have like an absolute beast mode when it comes to, you know, acquiring new customers. Yep. It's, What's your sort of thought process around that? It's not necessarily, yes, acquiring customers is a maximum, a, um, a massive element for growth. Understanding the core business departments, um, is something that we're very good at, um, creating KPIs behind those core business departments and then having accountability on those as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but to, uh, I suppose to summarize the marketing, um, function, our marketing strategy, the purpose of it was to be omnipresent. That was the sole outcome that we wanted to deliver was to make sure that if anybody in construction was needing cleaners, that we were the glad wrap, we were the Xerox, we were the, yeah. the or we are the only name that people consider first. Yeah. Um, I suppose that goes hand in hand with the name of the company as well. Yeah. That's elite. So I like that. That's going to make me think about some things later, I think. Mm. To, I suppose to go a little bit more tactic based, um, for those that want to have a bit of a takeaway from it is playing where your customers play. And that isn't just about, you know, if you're serving residential clients, then you're just playing on Instagram. Um, you know, if they're there, then they're also, you know, on TikTok or they're on Snapchat or, you know, it's understanding who your customers are and where they play. Also, if your customers are like commercial or B2B, then you might have a better opportunity playing on LinkedIn. Um, or doing, you know, site visits and door-to-door and -door stuff. So yep, yep. it's really understanding where they are and where they're most receptive mm -hmm. and then attacking them there and also attacking on all other faces as well. And do you have any like tips around like, you know, I guess how you go about understanding your customer? It seems like you're really good at that, you know, understanding where they're playing, where they're, you know, so the marketing is actually yep. working. Like what, what are some of the things that people can do? Have a look, sort of... uh, have a look at where your customer flexes. That's a, a lot of people are really enjoying the kind of flex status at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for example, build it, uh, residential builders are really easy to find. I mean, they, they flex on Instagram. So yep. that's a very good, um, reflection of where they're playing. Um, you take, uh, you know, commercial, um, site supervisors and contract administrators and that kind of thing. They're actually playing on LinkedIn because they're always searching for the next job, the next gig, the next best mm -hmm. car, you know, as they yeah. jump from company to company. So. It's really understanding about why that person or why that profile is actually using that platform mm -hmm. um, and then maximizing on it. Yeah. Bang. That's a good takeaway. So 2022, you went from managing director to CEO of build clean. Can you explain, cause this is more, this is more of a selfish question to be honest, but what, what were the diff, what fundamentally changed when you went from managing director to CEO? What, what is the, essentially the job, how are the job roles different? How cool. is your day different? I'd love to understand that. Yep. I look at them very, um, very tangibly in the fact that the title managing director means that you are the director of managing everything. And mm -hmm. in my head, um, and for my, 
um, team to understand the changes that were happening with the, within the company because they are the company is growing so fast. I wanted to draw another line in the sand and go, I am no longer the person that answers every single one of your questions. I am not the director of managing everything. Yep. You know, I wanted to pull, um, maybe not pull myself away from it, but encourage my team to see the internal hierarchies that are in the management team and solve their problems together. So I, I was very big for a, a small, a, a period of time of saying, don't come to me with problems, come to me with your solutions mm -hmm. as in almost ask for permission to solve the problem as opposed to coming to me for me to solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I suppose removing myself from being managing director and titling myself as, as CEO said to myself and also said to my team that this is the role that I need to fulfill. And if there's managing directors questions and that is taken up with the, uh, you know, the management team and the project teams. Yeah. Okay. So it seems like you, 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 you're often saying team. So it's obviously to get to the point where you've got to with bill clean and next part is what we're going to talk about is the, I guess the stepping down as CEO, but how have you gone about building such an elite team? Cause it seems like that's another thing maybe that you're really good at is, um, finding the right people and putting them in the right places. I think to go from, to go from being a one man show to, you know, having multiple departments within your company, I think it's very important for the company leader, the business leader to wear every single one of those departments and optimize it themselves. Mm -hmm. So only you can understand what are the main marketing KPIs that you need to achieve in order to get to your strategic objectives. Um, only you can sell your company or you can do it better than anybody else. So if you're wearing that position wholly and solely, which I wore the sales hat for a very long time, mm -hmm. you can then create the expectations. Um, you can create the accountability metrics. You can create the KPIs that need to be achieved. And then all you need to do is find the right person to, um, you know, to uphold those standards. So I think to get yourself from being, you know, the, the doer of everything up to, you know, whether you want to be the managing director or CEO or whatever that title is. It's understanding that you break down your company into different departments mm -hmm. and then you optimize that yourself and then you hand it, hand the baton over to, uh, to the next person or the, yeah. the most suitable person. Yeah. You mentioned Jack before, um, who I you, you know, he's been with you since the start of build clean or mm. actually before when it was a uh, ground, ground control. control. A lot of people, I mean, I have so many people come up to me like mates, a, a lot of them um, and people on the Insta saying like, you know, they're, they're thinking about going into a partnership with someone and I'm always like, poor, I, I probably wouldn't, I'd pump the brakes on that. But you and Jack seem to have like a really good sort of, um, working relationship and even outside of work. I know you, you guys hang out a lot. Do you know, can you, you got any advice, you know, for people who look, who are looking to enter a partnership and what's made, I guess you and Jack so successful. Can you think about any things that really have you know, gelled you guys together through the thick and the thin. Yeah. For those of you who are looking at a partnership and trying to understand, um, what your role is and what that person is. So I think it's very important for you to understand, um, or to segment your expectations of each other. That's one thing to have separate job roles as opposed to doing things together. Um, if you're considering bringing on a partner, I think it's very important for you to listen to or read a book that is called, uh, rocket fuel. And that explains for you the concept of visionary versus integrator mm -hmm. and how visionaries are great at seeing the future and mapping things out and getting the ball rolling, you know, moving the momentum. They're pretty shit at actually finishing the last 10% of a hundred percent project. Mm -hmm. Whereas you get the integrators who are more than happy to make sure that things are done properly and done in a certain way. So to um, overlay our roles, I'm a great visionary. Mm -hmm. Um, every single job that I start is usually done between 60 and 90% because I lose interest and move on, yeah. um, which yeah. is, a, is a, a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. Um, but to be able to identify very early on that Jack was very good at making sure that things get finished properly, also assisting me in pumping the brakes on some of the, you know, shiny object syndrome that can pop up meant that we both met in the middle where there is still conflict from time to time. However, we always understood who's strengths were whose and whose weaknesses were whose. Um, and we always have a lot of open communication about whether we fuck each other off pretty yeah, much yeah. or whether we disagree on certain things. And there's, you know, there's weeks where you, you're not the best friends. Um, you know, we still work out every day together. Um, but you know, I suppose, uh, when you're in business together, making sure that it's not, this is mine and this is yours 
or going into a partnership where possible. I know this doesn't always work, but going into a partnership where, um, well, the best example is if you were to go in, um, together even, but you did it as a 5149 that from the get go says that that person wants to maintain control over that person that that's playing a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually sought out a bit of advice, you know, quite a few years ago before Jack bought in and we were toying up with the, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30 type setups. Cause I did start it on my own. Um, and our advice at the time, which is phenomenal advice was, are you guys going to compete with each other for the rest of your life? Or do you want to make sure that you achieve success together mm-hmm. evenly and equally? So we just went for a 50, 50 straight away. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, well, that brings up an interesting point because I, if you guys, if you and Jack are in a 50, 50, how do you work through disagreements? Because essentially in a company, if you're 50, 50, you both have, and there's two shares to make it easy. You've got one share of the company and Jack's got the other share. How do you work through disagreements when both of you have the same amount of voting rights, so to speak? Yep. We've been very fortunate that we were always on the same trajectory Mm -hmm. within reason. I know that very early on, I reckon there was a few comments said that, uh, you know, there's no fucking way we'll do a million dollars worth of revenue in cleaning and there is no fucking way that we will do five and 10 and so on. Um, and, you know, we made some, some bets with each other as well. I think there's a bet that's still standing that if we do a hundred million dollars in revenue, I'll buy Jack a Ferrari. I think that's still in play. <laughs> um, so you should, but, uh, understanding exactly where you're going and, and maintaining that alignment doesn't always work perfectly, but we were very fortunate in the fact that we all knew that, well, we both knew that the target was kind of in that direction. You know, we didn't know exactly what it was, but we knew it was over there. Um, and we were just going to hunt that down until we found out where it was. So it wasn't as if, um, you know, we'd got into business together and I wanted to expand nationally and Jack wanted to stay in SA and, you know, go into carpet cleaning or something different. You know, we, we trialed and tested different theories to work out what we actually wanted to really achieve. Mm -hmm. What's the purpose behind going national? Um, what would be the purpose behind, uh, adding on separate services and that kind of thing, testing and trialing and both having the open communication about, okay. Eventually Adelaide, um, Bill Clean will meet its market cap and we will need to either add additional services on to keep growing or, mm-hmm. you know, grow into state. And those kind of, um, more like strategic meetings, um, enable you guys, well, a- enable business partners to actually have conversations about things before you get tunnel vision on what, um, you believe you should achieve. And then you've got to pitch it to your, mm-hmm. to your business partner. Mm-hmm. So it's working through that strategic direction together. Yeah. And I don't want to get, I don't, I don't want to get too stuck on build clean. It's just so interesting because it's such a wicked story and we'll, I'd want to get onto alpha trading definitely. But I, I've ne- ever since you, you, we, you came here, you know, a, a while, a few weeks ago, you mentioned, um, something that was really pivotal a- along your journey with build clean was bringing the virtual CFO. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that just briefly about what that did, why you did it? Because that's something that I've just been thinking about flat out since we spoke about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to jump back, uh, a long way, I failed accounting at, um, university, the first round, yep. um, which is a massive, you know, red cross in my mind about my ability to handle numbers, mm-hmm. um, eventually passed it the following year. Um, but then fast forwarding, going through, uh, the process of the stages of a rapid growth company, you find that. You are profitable. However, your cash flow is almost non-existent because every month you're investing in yeah. the next set of wages, the next set of tools, the next set of equipment. Yep. So you're constantly pumping back in and there becomes a point where you can't, you can't necessarily put your numbers into something and say, this is particularly in the first few years, this is exactly where you're going to run out of money. It's more just to kind of suck it and see. Mm. Um, but now that we've got to the point where we do have five years worth of data, we can actually be a little bit more smart, a little bit more strategic. Um, with our metrics, um, and with our, with our forecasting. So what we wanted to know from engaging a virtual CFO is how fast can we grow? How, um, how much risk are we opening opening ourselves up to, um, at that rate of growth? And the main thing when I say growth is how many expansions, how many different interstate expansions can we achieve Mm -hmm. in the shortest amount of time? Yep. So our mission is five by 25. That's five, um, states and territories, but by 2025 mm-hmm. and we've got a couple left to do. And the main idea behind the CFO, CFO was like, 
if that's what we want to achieve, then where do each of those expansions need to be without, you know, really stressing out the cash flow within the company? That's just a good thought experiment. I've been thinking about that ever since we spoke about it. Um, it would be really powerful just to have someone from that, like an external non-biased perspective, just tell you like, this is the raw data, yep. you know, and not having any sort of emotional attachment yep. to any decision you make in your business. And is that really, was that a good part about it? Absolutely. And they they will question you on things that you would take for granted or you would brush under the rug. You know, say you have a really poor job, a job just absolutely tanks. It happens from time to time. They'll call you up on it so that you're just not like, ah, that month, that month was shit. That doesn't count. You know, they'll make you unpack and understand exactly why mm. they'll call out. Um, you know, if you've got several of the same kind of problematic clients, you have discussions around, is that client still suitable for us or not? Yeah. Um, and a massive one for us and, and probably a massive one for most of the, of the listeners is that because we have such a large amount of vehicles, we've got such a massive fleet and you're constantly taking on vehicles, turning vehicles over the cost per week or the cost per month of your vehicles doesn't actually show up on your P&L, on your mm -hmm. profit and loss statement. So we have got a P&L, which is our performance document, um, which gives us what our net profit should be. But to understand that further, our actual operating profit, we had to take out the cost of every one of the vehicle repayments. Yep. So that in, in the early days, it was very confusing because we thought, oh, cool, we've made, you know, 10% net profit or 20% net profit not factoring in all the vehicle expenses that had to come out. So as you start to get, you know, three states, you know, 30, 40, 50 vehicles, it be, it gets a little bit further than, oh, I think it's just about that much. It yeah. gets to the point we have to be like, okay, these are, we've got a, a massive financial forecast for the next few years. And we've got a second sheet that goes through um, like all the drivers, all the ins and outs of vehicles, as in we're getting two more this month. We're getting four more next month. We're selling six you know, that kind of thing so that you actually see the, the, um, the relationship between vehicles and profitability. Yeah. That's really cool. CFO. So now fast forward to now, man, and yesterday you had a pretty big announcement. So can you yeah. share that? It, uh, as far as the working day goes, it wasn't any, any, uh, any different. Um, and I suppose roles and responsibilities stay the same. However, I think I've touched on earlier, I'm big on, um, kind of making these, drawing these lines in the sand of yep. that was then, this is now. And yesterday, Jack and I were at the gym and we had a conversation. I said, look, I've got no motive behind this, but you know, what are your thoughts about, you know, you just, cause he, he had for the past couple of months been doing my entire role. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, well, you know, there's no motive behind this. It doesn't matter if we make a decision or not, but what do you reckon about you just being the CEO and just booting me out so that I can work on, you know, the next venture. And he was like, I was waiting for you to say it. So it was a really nice, um, position to sit back yesterday and go, okay, I'm now in my mind burning the boats that I can't, you know, if this next little venture doesn't work, this little side hustle, so to speak, I can't just jump back in and take back my old role. Yeah. This is a position where I've said, I'm going to make this work. What we've got is going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is working and now's our opportunity to, to actually have a bit of impact. Okay. So yep. you stepping down as CEO and implementing Jack as the CEO and sort of stepping away is, I feel like that's your, like you said, it's your line in the sand to almost forcefully put pressure on yourself in a way to not give yourself that plan B. Is that Absolutely. sort of what you're saying? Yep. yep. Burn the boats, take the plan B out. Um, you know, we've tested the water, so it's not, um, it's not a fast and loose, stupid activity. We've tested the water. We've tested the market. Um, we've brought this killer alpha trading brand out. Mm -hmm. Um, and now is time to go, okay, this is also assigned to my team as well. Um, that this is where my focus will be. And then Jack is the, is the best point of call within Bill Clean. Um, but also kind of for myself as well to just have another stage of detachment from, I don't have to sit in every meeting. I don't have to go to every project meeting. I don't have to check in with, you know, all the directors around the country. I know that Jack's got that. Mm -hmm. um, he's accountable for it, but I've also got the trust in his ability to um, make sure that that's all done to yep. the best of his ability. So it's nice to just draw it off yesterday. I, I think I sent you a photo. I was yeah. sipping a Negroni while my son was playing with a Bunnings truck. Yeah. And, uh, I was just, you know, getting a bit, um, you know, nostalgic on, on the times that we've had together, even though today we went in the office, we both still sit next to each other in the same office at the same desk, 
doing the same works. You know, I've got my mm-hmm. mind on Alpha Trady mm-hmm. and uh, he's pumping out Build Clean. So, yeah, that's but yeah, so it, was, good. it was nice to draw a line in the sand. And the other, the other photo or video you sent me was you doing two hours worth of pipes before you came here. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're looking good too. Well, he, uh, for a context, he sent me a video. He was doing some bicep curls. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about, um, you know, what the workout schedule was before coming in here today. And I said, it's got to be two hours of arms. That way I'm looking juicy on the camera. <laughs> you look good too. So mate, Alpha Trady, yes. tell me about it, man, because the brand is epic and we know the back, you know, the background of, I guess, your business background now. So what's this new venture all about? Cool. What we have decided, what we have thought, what we have kind of want to achieve is that when people start in business and particularly us as tradespeople, um, you know, collectively, you get a lot of people around you saying that, you know, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you going out on your own? Why don't you stay in a good job? Um, you know, nine out of 10 businesses fail in their first X amount of years and all of this negative behavior that pops up and given, I suppose that's the kind of concept of the problem that we have just generally, um, overlay a bit of tall poppy syndrome in there as well starts to get very toxic to try and start your own company and actually have a crack and believe in yourself. Yep. Then we look at, um, I suppose my history in, you know, got the business degree, got the, uh, you know, the accolades or earned the accolades and then have this massive growth within the company that actually, when I look back on it, there were some really hard times, but you know, over the span of that, we actually had a really good run and it was really quite simple and straightforward. Um, and then going, okay, well, what can we do with this? How can we actually give back? Um, is like, right, well, let's go out and try and solve that problem that, you know, every business that starts, um, and comes on with us, we make sure that we have a hundred percent success rate. We don't want anyone to fail. Um, and then also how can we actually optimize their company, make their life easier, make them show up as, or assist them in showing up as, as better leaders for their team. Um, and then also about better family members as well. So mm-hmm. Alpha Trady, you know, Named and titled is particularly focused on men. Um, I just speaking from experience, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, I I don't think I can, I can best tailor our abilities, um, to our female audience. Mm -hmm. Um, however, there's no reason why we can't. Um, but yeah, we're definitely focused on helping guys be the best versions of themselves. Um, being the best father leader, um, Mm. yeah. And team member they can. Can you break it down a bit for me then? So how is this, are you saying you've basically taken everything you've learned in through your journey with build clean going from zero to over a hundred nationally and put it into essentially a platform that is alpha trading or can you That's correct. expand on, on how, I guess, how it really works, Sam? Exactly. So, um, there's a few different options. Um, and I'm very excited to, uh, kind of release this for you today, um, that we had been building and, and have built our online course for trades. Um, and it was a very broad spectrum. It was essentially just an online course for trades. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone back, revisited everything. And today's kind of the first day that we're going public on it to say that we've built this online course for startups, for guys that are early on in the phase, you know, with one to a few team members. Um, and we've built this course completely free. So you can jump on, you can understand, as I've said a little bit earlier, the different departments within business, we've got strategy, marketing, sales, operations, people, and finance. Yeah. So it's essentially a fundamentals of business course, everything that we've learned, everything that we've used, it's applicable directly to construction mm-hmm. um, and the trade services and map that out there for you. So all you've got to do is put in the time. It's not a silver bullet to make sure that, um, you know, it's not a get rich quick scheme or anything of the sort um, on your behalf. You have to put in the effort, you have to be willing to learn, open to change mm-hmm. um, and ready to try something new, but it's all there at the click of a button um, open and free for you. So yep. I'm not here without, um, an ulterior motive as well. The main aim is to, for the early guys or the, you know, the guys that are new in this or, you know, trying to step forward. That course is ideal if you're doing half a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing over that, then we do have group coaching, um, where we want to make sure that our guys are doing between that half a million to, you know, seven figure mark yep. so that we're all talking the same conversation. We're all talking the same problems and ensuring that these guys get the maximum growth throughout that period. Yeah. That's, that is pretty sick because I t- like there's two problems, I suppose, when you got a, when you're a tradie starting a business is like, there's a massive, people don't realize this when they, before they start either, is there's a massive difference between being good at your trade and being good at business. They're actually totally don't even, they're just totally separate. Like. You know, you could be the best plumber and the worst business person ever, 
or the other way around. You could, I know people who are really good in business, but I wouldn't want them to plumb anything up. You know what I mean? And then the other problem that I found along the way is like, like, where do you go, man? Like to know all this stuff that mm. you need to know as you're trying, I suppose, as you're specifically trying to go from just being a single man operator or whatever to then growing an actual business. There's, it's really hard to get all these answers, man, to know to where to go for all the shit you need to know. Absolutely. And, uh, and who to trust as well. Mm. Cause there's a lot of people now that I've actually, you know, gone balls deep into the, into the coaching space, I'm looking around at, at, um, you know, the rest of the market and, and the rest of my competition in the coaching area. And I'm, I'm looking at them and going, what, what did they achieve? And, and, and I'm doing this, not, you know, out of spite to my competition, but going, mm. am I good enough to teach other people how to yeah. do, um, you know, the things that I've done. Um, and I'm looking around going, are, are these guys not qualified, but are, are they, uh, yeah, exactly. Have they got runs on the board to be able to, mm. to, um, guide people through this journey. So yeah. that actually, you know, for me personally, took a long time to kind of come to terms with the fact that what we have done is big and it's grand and it's great without, you know, pumping up your own tires on the way through, but going, fuck, that's actually pretty cool. Mm. And then remapping that for other people was, was a game and a, um, a challenge in and of itself, but then actually having to go out and, and now sell it and, yeah. um, you know, make it public and market it has been a, another step as well to make sure that I, I, I do actually trust in myself and I do actually trust the things that we've done. Yeah. Um, and I do trust the, uh, the system and the program that we've built. So yeah, it's been a, a, um, big internal battle to go, am I fucking qualified enough to teach people how to do this? Mm. And so I'm guessing, is it sort of like from, from, you know, I've been following the socials for a while. Is it sort of like a, a, a thing where if you have a specific business problem that you encounter, there's like certain topics within build clean where you can be like, oh, like I've got a, my next problem is hiring. How the fuck do I know where to find the right staff? Is that how this works? Absolutely. Yeah. So throughout our process, I'm big on systems and process. And so, so is Jack as well. Um, and we would map out and we would, um, record everything that we were doing, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. Um, and then throughout, you know, the past five years, you know, we've got backlogs of shit that worked and shit that didn't. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, formulating that out into, um, our blueprint, which we get all of our students to use, um, is essentially just this killer dashboard. That's got all of the different business departments, all of the kind of more generic, you know, problems or sections, um, or actions that you can take and then how to solve those problems nice and quickly. Yeah. So we're trying to break things down into the most common problems. Um, and then we've also got our community where people just jump in and just, you know, have a bad day blasting what, what's happened and help me now. And, you know, yep. there's a code red scenario. So. <laughs> Mate, you must've put in a hell of a lot of energy into this. I've been thinking that actually a lot is like for the, how in depth I think the program is and stuff, man, like for you to learn all the hard lessons and then decide like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to put all these lessons into this alpha trading platform. That's, that seems like a hell of a lot of, uh. Your investment, you, you not, I wouldn't say investment, but it's a lot of time and energy. I'd say you must've spent on this. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't, I can't explain for you why, <laughs> as in like, why would I get to the point where, you know, we've got a national company and, and get to the point where I no longer have a, a role within my company, you know, essentially make myself redundant from CEO. Why would anyone in their right mind go back and start something harder? And I can't answer that question for you exactly why I've done that. Um, I think it's more, it, it's a fulfillment element. It's something that, um, I really just want to see if we can, if we can have a crack with other people's companies, essentially yeah. Yeah. is go, what we've done is, is worked. We've got all these principles and frameworks. Um, let's actually, you know, use this and make everybody else a bit of fucking money on the way through. Mm. You, know? Guessing so, you, must, you sound like the sort of bloke who you might like helping people, I suppose, you know, Am I right in saying that as well? Yeah, I, I, I think, um, seeing other people I think, succeed, I suppose. Exactly. And, and I really want to, I kind of want to be that person that guides people through, um, guides people through almost the, the tall poppy, poppy syndrome that's really prevalent in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. As I started this alpha trading journey, I got fucking the shit kicked out of me online for having a crack yeah. and it really resonated with me hard. It hurt for, for a small amount of time. And then it, it really struck me that are the rest of my students going to go through the same thing when they go out and have a crack? Mm -hmm. And then 
the answer inevitably is yes. You know, you are going to cop a bit of flack when you yeah. go out on your own. Yeah. Um, and why not then build a community where we can actually, you know, have open conversations about what it means to be successful, whether that is in monetary terms or in freedom terms or lifestyle or whether you want to buy the big fuck off bar crusher boat, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but it's about supporting each other through whatever our definition of success is mm -hmm. and having profits as not dirty words, having, you know, your understanding each other's incomes is not, um, you know, a taboo conversation talking about money within the group and where yep. we want to further invest and, um, you know, really opening up and having a safe space where we probably maybe not, don't have that opportunity with, um, you know, our parents or our family or, you know, our father figures or whoever that may be. Mm. Um, and being like, let's build a community where we are going to, to achieve, um, we are going to create success and we're going to support each other on the way through. Yeah. Having that, having that support would be massive. Cause I could say from anecdotal point of view is like, especially now I, f I firmly believe in this day and age, like if you want to succeed, like you have to be doing something different and, and you have to be putting yourself out there and like clearly like you did with, you know, with winning the awards and everything like that, that actually takes a lot of balls too, to put yourself out there because I, I've found in doing that myself, you do get he heaps of tall poppy syndrome, heaps of people saying, oh, fucking you're everywhere. I'm over sick of seeing your face. Mm -hmm. And, you know what I mean? And yep. like to go through that journey, that's actually pretty difficult, I would say, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I only, um, I've only been introduced to uh, a quote and I'll probably butcher it a fair bit, but, uh, hatred is the best, um, precursor to success. So if you're getting hated on, it means that you are doing something different and mm -hmm. it means you are on a trajectory to achieve success in whatever your definition is. So yeah. if you are out there listening to this and you're getting hated on, or you're thinking about putting yourself out there, you know, taking some videos, um, shooting some content on site and that kind of thing. And if you're concerned about people ripping into you, then do it almost so that they will, mm. so that you can then get that precursor to success. So have a yep. fucking crack at it. That's a good way to look at it actually. Yeah. If you're getting hate, you're probably doing something right. Mm. And you for know. the algorithms these days, any comments, any activity, <laughs> yeah. any engagement's good, yeah. <laughs> whether it's, whether it's hate mail or, you know, whether they're supporting you as long as you don't read into it too far. Definitely. What, what does success look like to you, mate? I wanted to ask you that. You brought it up a few times. Mm. Do you know? I believe that there is a certain threshold of monetary return at which point it doesn't really mean anything. Yes. You still want to, you know, grow a bigger company. Mm -hmm. You want to have more income. You want to, you know, have larger investments and, and larger wealth creation. However, I reckon once you hit a certain position, your killer instinct or your drive to get there, um, starts to fade away a little bit. And, and it probably coincides with, you know, you know, you start getting married, you start having kids and you start to see little value shifts in, you know, the young gun ho guy just wants to make his first million and his first 10 and his first hundred. Yep. And then you get to the point where you start to have a family and understand that, you know, monetary or wealth terms is just a, um, a ability to protect, you know, your own realm or your own family, um, or, you know, those in your closer community. So once you've then achieved that, there are still other values and, and other elements need to be achieved. So, um, I'm very big on having, um, a lot of priority towards my health. Um, you know, as we'd spoken about earlier, having a bit of a joke about the gym, yeah. um, but it, health encumbrancing, you know, my own time to think, um, my own time to create my own time to work out and, and make sure I'm staying healthy, mm -hmm. um, and looking after myself because that way, when I do then come into work, you know, I'm, you know, doing six hours of work a day, um, which is not a great deal in comparison to a lot of people, but I'm there and I'm getting maximum amount of output done so that then I can go to the gym, work yeah. out uh, you know, leave work at four, get home, spend some time for my son. All of these things are kind of lining up to build. I don't have an exact definition of success, but build what my future self would look back on and almost have like a no regrets mentality on it. Yeah. You know, looking fast forward to myself at 40, um, I'm 32 now fast forward to there. If I live the same lifestyle that I'm doing now, where, you know, I've limited a lot of my distractions I'm working out every day. I'm doing great work. I'm building another company. Mm -hmm. That person in, you know, eight years time, looking back, is going to be fucking jacked. <laughs> have spent heaps of time with his kids during, yeah, you know, the pivotal cool. growth stages in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, still building companies, still doing work at my most optimal, um, output. And yeah, you can't really, I can't really complain with what that, you yeah. know, future 
you know, mirror looks like. So yeah, that's actually a sick way of putting it. I think that's actually a really important thing is, and I'm no pro at it. I'm trying to work on it is like defining what success looks like for you and then sort of reverse engineering everything from that point. Mm. I think that's that I found that a really, um, sort of useful exercise, you know, because, some, cause I'm always thinking to myself like, you know, am I, will I ever be satisfied if I make a million dollars or do I need to make $10 million? Like it's like what define what, how much money you want for to, to achieve X and Y and Z and sort of reverse engineer what your success looks like. Otherwise you, you know, it's hard to know where you're going without knowing the destination. Yeah. You know, I found that to be pretty powerful actually, even just as a thought experiment, sit there and think like, okay, what, what will make me happy? What is success to me? Yep. You know, and reversing it from, from that point. Absolutely. You seem like you're good at that. I think there's two, there's kind of two separate, let, let's play it out. There's two separate Sam's that were, um, you know, through that journey. There was the Sam at the startup, you know, in the sole trader and, and the early days phase where it was just blinkers on narrow minded at success and success was money and success was revenue and profitability. Mm-hmm. That were my main drivers of success. Um, then you're getting to the point where you do achieve enough, you achieve, you know, ample, mm-hmm. um, or, or, you know, abundance in that area. And then, you know, that kind of ticks your hierarchy of needs to go, okay, well, what other, um, you know, values do I want to fulfill with my life? Yep. That is one of the things I'm glad you brought up health hacks because you definitely, I know are sort of a bloke who has, well, I think you're a bloke who has a lot of like product health slash productivity hacks. Yes. Have you got anything that you could share that you've found to be really powerful over, you know, recent times in regards to that space, health and productivity? Yeah. I, I kind of, um, <laughs> I know you're big on a it. bit of a, uh, not a biohack buff, um, but I fucking love any hack, anything to get <laughs> yeah. the extra 1% edge. Yep. Um, cause you do get to the point where it's not just your physical, brutal strength, um, and hard work and grit. That is the, the determinant of your success. It mm-hmm. becomes when you get to the point where you're not actually delivering the work, um, and you're leading a team, it then starts to become, uh, more about your ability to make better decisions, your ability to, um, make those decisions quickly and effectively, your ability to keep your call under pressure. Um, you know, all of those more leadership traits that start to pop up and then you go, right, well, how can I optimize every single one of those? Um, and maybe, maybe the biggest takeaway was probably starting with, and you've probably seen me play with it here, the aura ring. Yep. Um, just a great little sleep tracking, um, you know, piece mm-hmm. of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been wearing it for about three years now. Um, what metrics are you tracking on? What is important in sleep? It gives me three overall scores. So shameless plug for aura here. Got no affiliation, but <laughs> fucking buy one if you want. Get um, you've got a, uh, a readiness score. So essentially open up the app in the morning got a readiness score, you've got a sleep score and you've got a previous day activity score. Mm-hmm. So you start to then understand, well, if I didn't do any activity yesterday, I might get a great sleep score, but I'm not really ready for today. You know, you wake up a little bit lethargic. Yep. Um, the inverse of that is I had a massive output day, you know, I might've done 20,000 steps, went for a 10 K run, um, and you know, worked in the garden all afternoon, mm-hmm. wake up the next day tired because you had too much output day before. So it's then starting to understand, okay, well, you know, if that, then how do I create a day, um, that becomes my every day that I will wake up feeling refreshed Mm. and I will have got in enough activity. Um, and I can then make the right decisions, um, and make them quickly and make them effectively. So you start to then understand, like, if I were to eat dinner too late in the evening, if I was to have, you know, a massive you know, lamb and rice or a massive, you know, mm. steak meal at eight o'clock, go to bed at nine. I'm not going to be able to sleep because my body's going to be digesting. Now I'm not a scientist or nutritionist or fucking whatever. Yeah. But all I know is that if I stop eating by six 30, I have a better night's sleep. So yeah. then you factor that in and then yeah. you go, okay, I toyed with waking up at four 30 and gymming first thing in the morning. Um, and that worked well for a short period of time and then phasing that out, waking up naturally now, and then going to working out during the day, which is a luxury that Mm. Um, I wish for everybody to be able to achieve. Um, but that means then I'm getting my output in at an optimal time. I'm getting my work in at an optimal time. I'm finishing the day without being too stressed. Cause I finished the day with a sauna most days. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a bit of like distance between finishing tangible work and actually getting home and trying to show up as a parent. Um, and then actually going and, you know, eating at the right times as well. All of those things start to compound. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, produce out some pretty good scores. And can do the scores really transfer to actually how you're feeling? Like, is it really accurate in regards to like if you get a good I'm, I'm optimized today? Do you usually feel like oh, I actually feel that way? Yeah. Does yep. It, there's yeah? a there's a pretty good correlation. Correlation is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um. And an interesting one that I've been following a lot more recently is HRV, heart rate variability, mm -hmm. essentially is telling me how um, fit I am at any given point in time. So and that, that is doing that for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always, man, I've, I think I'm going to get one now. I've been on the it's interesting. Fence, fence it's, for it's, ages. Because, but... you know, you can go, you can go out to, or you can go to Supplement Mart or you can go to the buddy chemist and you can buy all the vitamins and everything. Um, but you don't actually know, you're leaving it open to... Um, open to opinion as to whether they're making any difference or not. Mm. But then you have something that, you know, take the aura ring data as your baseline for this is me, this is my baseline. And then you add in, mm. you know, two, um, whatever pills of, um, magnesium yep. for a, a two week period. And they go, okay, well that's increased my baseline and now I'm actually a little bit better. So I will keep that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, I, I know you've started saunering recently. Yeah. It'll give you the opportunity to go, cool. Well, if I sauna three times a week on average over a two week period, I'm actually, you know, that 1% better and you go, cool, well, I'll keep that in. Mm. Or, you know, say you, uh, you have told yourself this story that you like to have four gin and tonics before <laughs> going to bed every, yeah. every evening. Once the kids have been put down, you know, you, you look at your scores and you go, that's actually tanking my sleep. Yeah. Even though I get to sleep faster, it's just because you're too stressed out during the day. Yeah. So it's understanding, you know, the relationship with, between what happens during my day and then what can I use to kind of almost reverse those stresses on the body? Mm, it's like feeding you actual data, isn't it? Essentially. Exactly. Like, yep. Yeah. To input yep. your, it's you're inputting whatever, and it's giving you the actual proper yeah. data. Just to like plugging analyze. your, plugging your car in for a bit of a tune up. Yeah. It's like plugging yourself in once a day to go cool. Yesterday I fucked up yeah. or, you know, <laughs> what I've been doing lately is pretty good and I'm going to continue to do that going forward and then add on the next thing. Mm -hmm. Before I go into vision for um, Alpha Trady, I wanted to just ask you about the sauna. What, what do you think? What do you, what do you think it does for you? Uh, I like the infrared sauna. There's two parts to it in that it's not so hot that it makes you feel like you're choking. Yeah. Infrared, I can stay in for, you know, two 30 minute sessions. I do infrared sauna with Jack as well. We use it as a bit of a unplugged place where we put on binaural beats, which are awesome. Um, Spotify playlists to kind of enhance your brain. They can use them for sleep, use them for focus. We play them in the office. Bineural beats. Bineural beats. Okay. Yeah, they run at um, brainwave frequencies um, that kind of are supposed to stimulate the brain. Anyway, we use, um, you know, a meditation one while we're in the sauna and we use that um, on Monday, Wednesday and Friday uh, are our saunering times. And we use that as a time to go, we're just going to talk about life or business or, you know, our relationships or Mm -hmm. It's just an hour. So we've got three hours a week in total where, um, we're not sitting on our phone, half answering emails, trying to talk to each other, Yeah, you know, and that's been a great element for us to not only align with our business goals, but align with our personal goals as well. Because mm -hmm. if you're launching and expanding interstate, you want to make sure that both of you are aligned with that. Yep. Um, and then also the byproduct really, um, is the, the better sleeping out of it as well. I feel like I'm a lot more relaxed by the time I yeah, get home. That's what I've found. I've, I mean, I've only done it for three days in a row now, but, and like, as I said to you earlier, I'm the worst, I'm, I'm the really bad sleeper, always have been. And I, I've got an infrared one now and I, oh, honestly, it's like put me I'm out like a light and I've never, ever in 36 years of living yep, or at least my adult life been able to sleep. Yep. And yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to jinx it yet. I don't want it to be, you know, I'm worried that it might be a bit of like, um, get diminishing returns. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> want to like talk it up too much, but geez, man, it has been pretty big actually yeah. so far. So, and I mean, look at having a, having a tactic like that, um, to use in your evening is a much better way to self-medicating with, you know, a couple beers mm. or, you know, a couple scotches or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a time and a place to have a bit of a celebration of groaning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but doing that as a source of medication to get to sleep. Um, uh, something I relied on, I, I did that heavily for, you know, the, the better first three or four years of business and, mm. um, coming out of the other side, you can see how, um, self-sabotaging that actually ends up being on, on your body and on your mind. Yep. Actually, I'd, I want to end up and end with the, the vision for the alpha trading, but can I ask you a, a bit of a deep question that I got asked one time and it really was a good thought experiment for me. It was like, what keeps you up at night? 
Is there anything in particular that at the moment content, 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 content. I will be laying in bed at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And I, I'm exactly the same as you. I'm constantly waking up and light through that period. Yeah. Um, I believe it's a, you know, a bit of a prehistoric thing or a caveman thing where, you know, guys typically, you know, more protective kind of guys will wake up earlier in the morning to mm-hmm. see if threats incoming. And it's probably due to the amount of coffee that we drink during the day <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't help. <laughs> everything else. But, um, yeah. Just thinking about content. Yep. Yeah. Just content creation. How, how am I going to share the message? Yeah. What's the right way to share the message? Um, and just constantly thinking about different scenes and different ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this one recurring one that's so funny, but I just don't have the production skills to do. I want to have a, a, a picture it? or a, a video of someone hopping out of the van, beer cans just falling out, you know, and then like kind of cutting to myself being like, fucking Joyd Alfredi, <laughs> right? You know, I just got this, like, it just keeps popping. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to work, but drawing that picture of like the old me stuck in this like self-medication phase, can't get out of it, unknowingly self-sabotaging myself in there because I know that I could achieve that thing, but I'm not ready or potentially wasn't giving myself the opportunity to be ready for it. Like how can I position some of the things that I've done into little scenes that can yeah. be explained in seven seconds that people don't fucking hate? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the same thing, man. There's like probably a self-limiting belief as well that I always said to myself, I'm not creative. And now I can't, now that I'm doing a lot of like TikTok videos, which I'm getting, you know, getting a lot of shit about, don't worry about that. But, um, <laughs> they're gold, I, I feel like absolute gold. I, I can't stop thinking, I, I can't, I can't stop having ideas come in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I used to think like, I'm the least creative person ever. And I think it's been a bit of a, you know, you don't uh, like flexing that muscle in my brain. Like I'd never used that muscle before in my brain. And yeah. now, now that I am always flexing that, um, you know, imagination or creative muscle. Now it's just like, I, I'm really struggling to switch off from it. It's just idea after idea after idea, you know? So I've got the, I've got the content thing happening as well, man. Absolutely. And probably for, for the, uh, the guys listening on as well, who were going through the, the earlier stages, they're probably laying in bed, you know, stressed about the finances and wondering about money and, and that kind of thing. The further you start to educate yourself and the more you educate yourself on that particular topic, that's kind of you know, stressing you out or keeping you up at night, the less it's going to happen. And then you'll upgrade that for a bigger and better problem. Yeah. Did you put that post on? You did. I shared it. It was really good. The one it is, it, life is essentially about upgrading your problems. Yep. You yep. know, just that's hunting why down I bigger problems. It because it's, it's, just, it's so true. It's like people think that if you have more money, you'll have less problems, but it's like, nah, you actually have way more problems, but your problems just get level up to a new level of problems. Mm. So it's like the key, the, the goal isn't to, get rid of your problems is to level up your problems because there will always be problems no matter what anyone says. And making sure that when you do get to that next level of problems, that you do have the capabilities and the capacity to answer that Mm. in a, um, in an educated manner. Definitely. So instead of just trying to be, or instead of being the same person that you are and expecting that you're going to be able to answer bigger and more in depth problems, um, it's probably a bit naive to, to think. That is a very good point. So to finish it off, Sam, if we, if you were to, look five years down the track from this point now, what, what do you, would you say your vision for build clean, uh, sorry for alpha trade is? I would like to walk into the office, the area. Um, I, I can't see exactly what it looks like, but there is a event space where we can bring guys in. Uh, we can do education. We can also do kind of your networking or your, your kind of group events. Um, there is a team of awesome educators that are giving people exactly the answers they need or exactly the assistance to find their own answers. Um, we are really changing the way tradespeople are seen, um, particularly from, you know, the, the, uh, there's, there's always a bit of a stigma in the kind of private sector of like, they don't fucking quote, they don't fucking show up, Mm. they don't fucking call me back, you know, like trades suck generally. And it's like, how can we make that change on a massive scale? Mm -hmm. Um, and also make it so that people are looking at going, oh, you know, you're going out and getting a trade. That's a phenomenal decision as opposed to, oh, you you know, you're going and getting a trade. Why aren't you going to yeah. uni type thing? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, trying to fucking make it a no-brainer for, for everybody to get into. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, well, I mean, you said you're a visionary and you didn't even flinch when I asked that question. So I could tell you definitely <laughs> thought of that in your brain. It's probably you? one of the uh, the late-night thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's actually a good – I think I spoke about it before, but that's one of the things that's um, – 
is is that's really changed some stuff for me is like now I actually when I have these visions in my mind, everyone has visions, but they don't always recognize that they are visions or or write them down, you know, or, you know, like journal their visions. I wouldn't say I journal them. Well, I do, but it's like just recognizing what your visions are, Mm. I think is a, is a big thing that's been helpful for me because then, you know, your visions are like, they're just, they're just important, man. They're important to write down. Do you ever journal those sorts of things? I went through a period where I was journaling every single day. Um, and I found that being that strict or that stringent on yourself doesn't always work. So I'll journal when I feel like it, which is usually three to four times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, and a great framework for you guys to use when you're just starting out. Cause when you go, I'm going to go buy a journal, it feels pretty (laughs) fucking out of character. (laughs) So a easy framework for you to do. Um, and I still journal in this exact framework. Um, I've got a second page as well, which gets a bit deep. Um, but I start with, I am you know, essentially affirmations for myself. I am in optimal physical and mental condition is one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, in my early stages of parenting is I am um, a, a model father and husband. Um, you see, you start to build out some I ams, things that you think about yourself that you would like to uphold to the best version of yourself. Um, I haves are great for goals Yep. and um, positioning or wording them in. I have a company doing a hundred million dollars revenue is a um, positioning in the um, post tense actually mm-hmm. makes you, you know, move forward and achieve that faster mm-hmm. as opposed to going, I, I will, or I may. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm grateful for, and just doing a couple, I'm grateful for the little things because yep. it's very easy to just look at the next massive big goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fall victim to this all the time is just constantly gunning down the next target and forgetting like, you know, I've got a perfectly happy, happy and healthy little yeah. family at home and, yep. you know, going out and kicking the footy with the kids or, mm. um, go to the coffee shop and have a nice coffee. Just take a moment to be like, this is fucking cool. Mm. And this is my life and I'm living it. Yeah. So those little gratitude elements, are um, are a great thing. Mm. Yeah. I've got a second page where I kind of, it's a bullshit detective for myself, but, um, yeah, I'll keep that one a little right, bit on yeah, hush. They right, can DM right. me if you want a script <laughs> for it. Yeah. I, yeah good. I'll t- I've been, actually, that's a really good one for tradies. It's sort of along the line you're talking about. It's like, I always get stuck, always. I still do it all the time. Get stuck in, you'll always remember that one bad customer, but you won't remember the fucking 99 awesome feedbacks you've had prior to that. Yep. So that is a really good thing to do as well. It's sort of like a gratitude thing, I suppose, but it's like, you know, writing down your wins, I suppose I would put it. Absolutely. Not because fuck, the human brain is like, well, mine is, I think I think everyone is just like wired to think about the one shit thing and not the hundred good things. Mm. We're wired for the negative, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. then when, I suppose when you flip it onto a motivational sense that um, some people aren't necessarily motivated enough by, um, you know, I want to grow my company to here or, you know, I want to achieve this or have a net wealth or certain amount of investment properties and so on and so forth, yep. you can actually reverse it and do, you know, the inverse equation. That is your heaven scenario. Write yourself out of hell scenario of what would happen if you completely fucked everything up mm-hmm. um, and have a look at the comparison between the two. And if that's a better motivator for you, then by all means lean on the pain in order yep. to get you in the right direction. So yeah, it doesn't one. always have to be, you know, airy fairy Instagram quotes about, oh, we're all good and pumping my tires up with my own affirmations mm-hmm. and stuff. Look at the inverse and go, well, what would happen if, I continued down this exact path or, um, I slowly fell off the bandwagon and slowly, you know, drank more and work more and didn't see my family and paint out what that person would look like, yep. you know, in 10 years time and have a look at the comparison and see if that sparks the fire that's needed. That's so good. That's so true too. Where can everyone find you, mate? Can you let people Shoot me know? a DM on Instagram. You can find me at, at Sam Ackland, um, or at Alpha Trady. And if you want to jump on and see what we do, go to alphatrady.com. Thank you, mate. Appreciate you coming on. Like I said, you're someone I've always looked up to and I really appreciate your friendship and you coming on the podcast. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Likewise. Mate. Cheers. Cheers. Legend. Thanks for tuning in to another Plumify podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, LinkedIn and all the usual podcast platforms.